This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It falls to Ely on the volley! What a finish! Gotti Kinda has struck! It falls to Polito and he puts it in! To Johnny Russell, first time shot! And Johnny Russell has a hat trick! The Sporting KC Show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Superior light beer with only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs. Michelob Ultra. Find your fit. Now your host, Nate Buchanan. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer. Sports Radio 810 WHB and wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for streaming it, downloading it, liking, subscribing, telling your friends, all those things. We appreciate you being here today for the last Sporting Kansas City show of the regular season. We know there will be at least one postseason Sporting Kansas City show because this team is going to the playoffs and playoff tickets are on sale right now. Where will they play? Who will they play? What will the uh, seating be? That is all still very much up for grabs. So we have a big, big show for you today. Andre Fontas is going to join us in the next segment. I am joined as always by the one and only Ali Trost. Ali, how are you? Nate, I'm doing well, but I'm not going to lie. I got a little kind of like nostalgic there thinking that we're already at this point in the season. It's, it's kind of flown by, but it's it's nothing but exciting times right now just because, I mean, there's just, like you said, so much up for grabs and uh, Sporting Kansas City guaranteed a home playoff game. So. What I love about the MLS soccer calendar, and there are some things I don't love about it, but one of the things I love about it is you started the year in a turtleneck, and now look at this. You're back in a turtleneck. <laughs> hey, I know, love it just as much. So. Come around the other side of the season. We started in the cold, and we end in the cold. And we're here, speaking of the cold, with a very nice stocking cap on. Uh, Jacob Peterson joins us today. Uh, we're honored to have him in studio. What's up, Jacob? How are you? What's up, Nate? How's it going? You- glad, glad I could be here. And as Ali said, huge week, I think, for sporting. And it really comes down to this. Which, I think if you asked any player, any fan, any coach, hey, you have a chance going into the last week of the season, two games, you win both those games, your top seed in the West, I, I think we all would have taken that. That is indeed where we are. And, of course, we, we would all sign up for that at the beginning of just about every season. And so, yes, we have a lot to talk about, and it is a big, big week for Sporting Kansas City. Let's just lay that out for you first. First of all, Sporting lost over the weekend to, to Minnesota. There, we're done with that. <laughs> we're going to focus forward because the two big games that are coming up this week and everything that's on the line. As we look at it right now, Seattle played Monday night. They played to a 1-1 draw against the LA Galaxy. They got a penalty uh, at the in the second half, uh, converted by Raul Rui Diaz, who is back. They also got the return of Jordan Morris late in that game. Nicholas Ladero played in that game. But despite the return of their three big star players who had been on the shelf, they settled for a draw at home against the Galaxy. That means they've played 33 of their 34 games. Only one game left for them. They're on 59 points after 33 games. Sporting Kansas City are on 58 points after 32 games. Sporting play on Wednesday night. That will be the game in hand that catches them up to Seattle on games played. A draw would put Sporting in a position where... A win on Sunday would almost assuredly put them through to the uh, number one seed. The Colorado Rapids, however, are level with Sporting Kansas City on points as well. They have already played 33 games, so they are off until this weekend. They're on 58 points, and then everything after that, below that, is a competition for the final home spot in the playoffs for the fourth seed, and then you've got about five teams duking it out for those last playoff spots coming down the stretch. It's tight, guys. It is tight in the West. And I don't know about you, Allie. Scoreboard watching has been fun. I mean, I was glued into that Seattle-LA Galaxy game as it was going on. And uh, and it's going to be, when Decision Day rolls around, that's going to be fantastic. It's awesome. And it's so great. Like The Eastern Conference has been decided by New England Mm -hmm. for months now. Like, everyone knew that they were going to lock up the first place spot and you know Peter told us the other a couple weeks ago just with the Western Conference being as tight as it is he feels like that really is a benefit to sporting and really all the teams just because you are fighting tooth and nail down to down to decision day which is you know great to just kind of have that mindset carrying you into the postseason where 
nothing's guaranteed right now. There's still so much to fight for, for Seattle, for sporting all the way down to, I mean, you could, I guess, say LAFC is really the, the last team uh, that's really, you know, fighting to kind of climb up above that playoff line with San Jose. Well, I mean, San Jose is what, seven points behind Vancouver. Yeah, they're out. So, I mean, it's just, it's, I'm really excited to see how this finishes. I, it could really go a million different ways. It's awesome. I think this is, as a player, you don't get too much, you don't get caught up in, in watching the scoreboard too much, um, you know, throughout the season, even though we talk about the standings and they, you always ask me, oh, Sporting are sitting in a good spot. And yeah, you know, players know that. But when it comes down to these past two weeks, everybody in that locker room is watching these games too. And everybody's seeing around the league and it is just so tight. And that's the thing. I mean, that draw last night too from Seattle was massive. Uh, I think coming off of the Minnesota game, Sporting lost an opportunity there. And yeah. they didn't play well. And we're, we don't need to rehash that because it's one of those games throughout a season where you can throw it away um, and, and kind of forget about it. But I thought that was kind of an opportunity. If Sporting went up there got a point, I thought they would be sitting in, in a great spot. But then coming off of that disappointment, the very next day, Seattle tie, drop points at home, and, and you're thinking, all right, now the ball's back in Sporting Kansas City's court. And, and it's just – it's awesome. It's like every single game, the situations kind of change a little bit. Um, and two, I mean, Seattle's going to Vancouver, right, the last game of the season. And Vancouver is flying right now. Uh, and Colorado's got LAFC. I know that's at home yeah. in Colorado. But, man, every single game right now, it, it's just so intense. And, and sporting, look, first order business is going down to Austin Wednesday uh, against uh, an expansion team, a team that's bottom of the table. But that's not going to be an easy game. That's a tough place mm -mm. to play, even with, you know, their their position. But man, I, I'm excited for this week. This is this is what it's all about. It's awesome. Well, and important to add too, Vancouver right now sits in seventh place. So I mean, this is a team that's had a lot to fight for down this final stretch as they've really turned things around. But even more to fight for in a place that Sporting KC knows is very difficult to play in uh, after suffering a loss there just a couple of weeks ago. And Seattle's like, what's going on with Seattle right now? They're I don't want to like jinx anything, but they've kind of been helping sporting out uh, quite a bit. <laughs> well, th that's a good question, Allie. In terms of what's going on with Seattle, I, and Jacob, you're better to answer it than me. I think we can identify a little bit here in Kansas City. Those two teams, Seattle and Kansas City, have been remarkable this year for their ability to absorb injuries, and not just injuries, but injuries to incredibly important players mm -hmm. on their team. But even teams as, as, as good as sporting in Seattle – have somewhat of a breaking point somewhere. And, you know, you can absorb losses for a while. It just looks to me like they look to me like a team that's that's been beaten down by absorbing those losses, in, you know, for so long. And on the same token, if they're really getting all these guys back, look out for them in the playoffs. They're, they're going to be a dangerous team, especially with Raul Ruiz Diaz back in the mix because basically, to me, much of the season was – we're going to play defense, we're going to play defense, we're going to play defense, and some moment of magic from Rui Diaz at some point in the game is going to win us the game. And they haven't been able to do that the last few games. No, and Seattle are great at absorbing pressure. That's the number one thing when I watch Seattle, how good they are, how organized they are. And Brian Schmetzer's done an excellent job at dealing with, with all those injuries. But I, I do think, too, it, to me, it's not a good game plan for them to rely on, hey, we're getting Jordan Morris back and Ladero back. Look, Jordan Morris has been out for a long time now. Yeah. How is he going to be when he gets back? Maybe he can you know, put in a, a few 15 minutes here or 20 minutes there, but you're not going to be what we think of as Jordan Morris. So mm -hmm. throw that out the door right away. Um, Ladero, same type of thing. He has, hasn't been out as long, but – it takes a little while to come back and to get your match fitness and do that in the playoffs where the intensity level is so high. I mean, for me, it's almost they should go with the guys who are healthy who have been playing because those guys have gotten the results. Um, Seattle's still a good team. Seattle's still a dangerous team. They're going through uh, a little bit of a, a dry spell. But every single team in MLS, especially in the West, there are no easy games. And I know yeah. we say that across all MLS, but if you're playing FC Cincinnati, that's an easy game. All right. In, in the East, they are terrible. And Oh, come on. I'm gonna... <laughs> you can't even try to sell me that Cincinnati's good, Allie. But in the West, I feel like there are no easy games. Even 
against an Austin, you think, oh, well, they're they're sitting on there. But Austin is so good with the ball. They, mm-hmm. They're up there in the top three in possession. That means that you're defending a lot and you're chasing a lot. And, and there's no easy game. So it makes sense for Seattle. I mean, we saw that in Minnesota. Sporting was playing great coming off that win against L.A., against Seattle, and then go up to Minnesota and kind of lay an egg against yeah. a good Minnesota team. So I, I'm not really too concerned about Seattle or sporting for that matter. There are just no easy games in the, in the West. Okay, so Jacob, you, you are the perfect person to talk over these things with because you, you've been a part of all of it. And I asked Graham Zussi on the news conference today about this concept. It's been a busy, busy couple of weeks coming down the stretch for SKC. And we know because of injuries and other situations, the rotation hasn't really been there. You're asking the same guys to go out there and play 90 minutes or at least a significant portion of the minutes, you know, game in, game out. And this last time around, it was a Sunday game followed by a Wednesday game that's that's coming up against Austin. And I asked Graham, you know, does that make it easier, the fact that it is this time of year and everybody's adrenaline's up because you know, like, what's at stake and how close you are to the playoffs? Or does it make it harder because the intensity of these games is is so much? Is it, we, we've talked about it. The Seattle game was a playoff game. That's how it felt. And you know, Graham gave a very thoughtful answer as he normally does, basically kind of saying it's both. You know, the games are much harder. It takes you feel pretty beat up after these games, but because of where we are in the season and what's at stake, everybody's up for it. Everybody's ready to go and wants to play all these minutes. You've been through it. What would, what would your take be on all that, and where do you think these guys are physically and mentally right now? Well, I think you said it right there at the end. Um, physically, at this time of the year, every single player on the league is, is tired a little bit. I mean, you hear that in the NFL, right? Toward, in the playoffs, every single guy has little bruises or, or little dings, and similar in soccer, everybody's legs are a little bit you know, sore right now, uh, especially with all these games at the end of the season. But to me, it's the mental side of it is getting up for these games because they are so intense and you have to be locked into every single roll of the ball and and you know Peter Vermees always says after a game like yeah your body should be tired you should be tired but your mind should be just as tired because you are constantly thinking about every single possibility that could happen whether you're on the ball in possession or whether you're defending and how you're going to cover for your teammate next to you so the mental component I think is the more important one at this this time especially with this weather you can kind of run all day in, in this weather and, and mm-hmm. that that initial adrenaline kind of gets you through i mean roger said that uh in in the minnesota game after uh, when he was asked yeah you know you're a little tired going up but as soon as the the whistle goes you're locked in uh it doesn't really matter physically but i think the most important thing is the recovery and mm-hmm. sporting kansas city has world-class facilities in there and you know we've all seen the recovery that that they can do and those like napping centers and, and all that stuff but it's just constantly getting treatment constantly making sure that you take a moment to calm your mind and not let the mind keep racing and, and which i know that they do a a, a great job of doing that uh, out at the training center and there's so many veterans in this group that i'm not really worried about that uh that minnesota game though it, it did look like the, the team kind of lost that intensity, but you can't meet that, I think, every single time. But now that it's uh, two games left and then you get kind of this break uh, in the in the postseason, I don't think any players are, are going to struggle with that the way that we saw them up in Minnesota. That that one thing that you just said there, the experience, I think, is something that I keep coming back to with this group. And, you know, I know there's been criticism of, Oh, like, you know, looking at the bench, not getting enough rotation maybe into games. And it is a pretty young bench for Sporting Kansas City. Not a lot of experience uh, that is ready to come in and make an impact on the game. But, you know, that experience doesn't just lend itself to those moments on the field, but also off the field as well. And we talked with Graham Zussi about this as well. And that is how you take care of your body. Like there are things that you learn throughout your career when you get to a certain point that you just get into into these routines because you know if I don't do X – it's going to impact my performance on the field. And I think Graham is a prime example of that because there's no way to otherwise explain why he's still having so much success on the field at his age and at this point in his career if he didn't do such a good job at that. But that's something that trickles down to other players on the field. They look to look to him as an example. Vermees has said as much. And I just think that when you look at this group that they have, players who were there in 2018 who missed out 
on the Western Conference. Like Daniel Shallowy telling us like that he's like, I still feel so bad that we like lost that game because you just think back like we have 45 minutes like give it your all because if not your season's over and you're gonna look back and be like oh you were a little tired well that feels a lot less worse than missing Mm -hmm. out on going to the MLS Cup. Okay so we uh we have Andre Ufantas coming up on the show next we're gonna talk with him about all of these concepts as uh, you talk about somebody who's logged minutes this year he is he has been Mr. Reliable in the starting 11 for Sporting KC. So we're going to take a break. We're going to talk with Andre Ufantas next. Then we'll preview these last two games. One team that's not a factor in the playoff race at all, Austin. They're in the bottom of the Western Conference standings, but we'll go into it. A lot to play for for them still in terms of individuals trying to keep jobs or get jobs, coaches trying to keep jobs possibly, all that stuff. And we'll talk about this RSL team that comes into this Wednesday uh, weekend doubleheader, whatever you want to call it. These two games they have left uh, just on the wrong side of the playoffs looking in, so in in desperate win mode for them as well. That's all straight ahead. We're presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. This is the Sporting Kansas City Show. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. We and uh, wherever you get your podcasts as well. Thank you for downloading and subscribing, and thank you to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the show. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. We are pleased to be joined now by the man that Jacob Peterson told me on the last uh, game broadcast we did at home uh, is his vote for MLS Defensive Player of the Year and a man who should be a finalist for Comeback Player of the Year, if people understood what it means to be a comeback player. (laughs) Uh, And he's been the most consistent presence in the lineup for sporting all season long, Andreu Fontas. Uh, They call him Fonti. Andreu, how are you, man? Hello, good. Very good, thank you. When when I list off all of those things, um, if, if you went back to the beginning of this season... Is that what you pictured? Is that what your goal was to be this? Or, or is this even beyond uh, maybe what your expectations were, the way you've been able to uh, to be so consistent this year? To be honest, beyond, beyond my expectations, for sure. Obviously, you you think uh, as positive as you can, but uh, to be honest, uh, I had a, a great season, as you said. I think to be consistent, to be able to to play every single game uh, without obviously some sometimes some issues, but here and there. But uh, to be able to be always in the field and, and playing healthy and enjoying also the team doing really well. It's been an amazing season. We have to uh, finish uh, the best way possible. Obviously, uh, it doesn't mean anything if we don't do what we are here for at the end. But uh, I'm so happy and, and and so proud of of the season that me and the entire team is 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 doing. Fonti, you told us just before we started recording here that with the playoffs coming up, you know, none of none of this season really matters if you guys don't bring it uh when it matters most. Just you you, you mentioned consistency. What's the key to keeping that consistency going down this final stretch and, and then into the playoffs? Uh, I mean it's key. I think it's key to, to to finish up well. We have two games uh, left and we obviously want to be finish first and I think even if it's not a trophy, it's not a title, we know that. Uh, it will also mean that, that we did an amazing job during the entire season. I think uh, more in, in the way we, we like to play and how we, the type of team we are, I think it's uh, super important to, to be this consistent, to be always good, to be able to, to have a good playoff. Maybe other kind of that play different kind of soccer uh um, can be like finish fifth or sixth and then be in a good uh, way at the end of the season and maybe do a good run in the playoff. I think for us it's key to, to finish uh, well and, and start the playoff uh, like like we've been doing the, this entire season. Yeah, that, that makes sense, Fonte. Here, uh, I, I'm curious, coming off of that game against Minnesota where I think you know, everybody in, in the locker room probably admit wasn't the best performance what uh, what are you guys talking about internally then to go down to Austin to, to play against a team that, similar to, to you guys, likes to dominate the ball, likes to have possession? Uh, is that something that you guys are, are going to look at to step high and try to 
press them or is it uh, you know to play your game maybe drop back and, and when you guys get the ball uh, to keep it away from them because that's that's really what Austin likes to do right they like to have the ball uh, just like you guys do yes and and I would say maybe we are not used to face a lot of teams that uh, wants to do the same as we want to do and we know Austin is one of them and and for sure it will be important and uh, one of the keys of the game maybe to to the team that it's better with the ball and as you said uh, we come from not our best performance in Minnesota we all know we had an a good opportunity. I think we came from two very good games away against Seattle. It was a huge win, and at home against Galaxy, also it was a very good result and a very good performance from the team. In Minnesota, we we weren't as good, and and we know that. And I think one of the biggest things is this season it's been uh, how we react after the the losses, and the team is and knows that we are in the final stretch of the season, and and we need uh, those points to finish first to be. In a better spot uh, to face to affront the, the playoffs and and again uh, we know Austin is not playing maybe for for anything but uh, it's always something to to play for uh, and and we know that it won't be easy we have to be uh, in our best version again and and go there for the for the points. We're visiting with Andre Fontas, and in that answer you referenced the way that you guys have reacted after losses. Um, Eight losses on the season now. This last one, we're about to find out what you guys do after that loss. But the other seven times, you have followed all seven of them with a victory. Not just a draw, but a victory. And, look, I think it stands to reason. You lose a game, everybody comes back. They're not happy about it. They try hard. They're focused. But if that was the case, if it was that simple, everybody would react that well uh, to losses and be undefeated after they lose games. And not everybody else has done that. Can you uh, can you explain to us why this particular team has been so good at reacting to uh, negative results? I would say that there's uh, a lot of factors. Uh, factors maybe uh, it's maybe difficult to to see just one reason, but uh, I would say that the pursuit of the excellence that is is a core value of this club, uh, the coach, the, the coaching staff. Uh, um it doesn't allow us to to relax one single uh training session i would say uh it's something that it's in, inside this club and i think we've been mentally uh very strong during the entire season also with the bad results in first half and and having a comeback in the second half i think it's the, more or less the same mentality but uh in a, in a bigger picture you know what i mean when we mm-hmm. when we lost one game we, we went back uh, home or uh, to the training next day, and um, we're uh, sad because we don't want to lose. Obviously, nobody wants to lose. And and then the other reason uh, I would say maybe is we, we have very clear uh, how we want to play, how we want to face uh, every single rival, every single game, and and maybe this is another key factor to to when you don't get the result, we know exactly what we didn't did enough, uh, well or we what we did wrong. And it's maybe easier to to correct teams that just play, I won't say without an idea, because every team has an idea, but our style is so clear. We know exactly what we want to do every single game, and, and maybe when we don't do it, uh, it's easier to, to try to correct these mistakes. Andrea, when we were all coming back from Seattle, I... I wasn't surprised maybe necessarily, but just hearing all of you guys kind of talking, even though you won that game, a really exciting game, a huge result, you were all talking on the plane at one point about if if you see Seattle again, what you're going to do differently because in that second half they were bringing the pressure and I remember talking to Roger and he was like, oh yeah, like, you know, we, we want to do this differently if we're ever in that situation again. Like, you're on a, a happy flight back home and you're already talking about ways that you want to improve and be better. Just do you feel like, you know, this team maybe compared to others you played on, you talk about that pursuit of excellence. Is it just, yes. I mean, it, it seems like it's just always there. Even after a, a win, you're still looking at ways to improve. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, that's, that's another of the keys of this team. So um, it's, it's huge. And not not always when you get a result is because you did everything good. Obviously, it's because you did a lot of things good. Because if not, you cannot get a result in this in this league. But also in the victories, uh, there are aspects or things that you you can try to improve. 
as we said, I think the second half in, in Seattle, they they pushed us uh, a lot. Uh, we weren't as comfortable as we were in the in the first half. We suffered. It's obviously and normal because they had a great team and we were in, the, in their place. And we end up getting the result, but always, always there's something to to improve. Uh, so imagine if we if we can uh, talk about that and and think about the, what we did bad after we beating Seattle at their place. Imagine when we lost the game. No, so it's it's, it's the same. We are all more more upset, but we talk again. We discuss what we did wrong. We we talk about what can what can we do better to to be able to next game. Uh, get the, the result and uh, again as we said is what we've been doing this season and I hope uh, this is not uh, an exception and, and can get another good result in, in Austin because it will be huge for us and it will put a, in a great situation for the last game at home. I think that's one of the reasons why you guys have been so consistent and so good this year is because even coming off a, of a big win you guys are still looking uh, for ways to improve which is obviously a sign of leadership and, and uh, there's so many good leaders in there, but I, I want to talk to you about obviously Ilya dropping back and playing center back. And you guys have been so good with, with you guys. You have similar qualities, both really good on the ball, good passers can build out. Uh, but since not the game up in Minnesota, but the previous two EC was back in the lineup and he offers different types of uh, uh, skills than, than Ilya does. How has that relationship been developing between you and EC? Well, amazing. EC is a great player, obviously. Uh, and I said, and you know that I enjoyed so much playing with Ilya uh, in my side as a centre-back. We know each other so well and, and we had a lot of fun. We, I think we 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 kept the ball in, in a lot of games uh, uh, like uh, in an amazing way. But obviously, having easy back there, uh, I think as a team we improve uh, defensively for sure. Uh, easy is is an, a great uh, center back. He also is good with the ball, but I think defensively he he raises the level up of the team. We also have then in front of us Ilya. Ilya have, have this ability to to switch the, the position super easy, which is incredibly difficult. But he does it like. Like nothing happens, he can play as center back, and then he can move to the number six and, and also be so helpful. So I think being us three in the same lineup uh, raised the, the defensive level of the team a little bit, and maybe uh, for these kind of games like in Seattle uh, or this uh, final push for the playoff, that the, the game obviously of each team rises up. I think it's it's huge to have him back and him uh, have him healthy because. Uh, it helps the team, you know. Maybe it's uh, we change a li- just a, a little, little bit our our style of play. We, as we said, he can still keep the ball and be super uh, good with the ball, and uh, we can keep building up the, the back. But I would say um, having him and Ilya in in the same lineup, Ilya. A lot of team also play with almost two strikers. Ilya can can drop in between us. Can can we can be almost like a three center back. Uh, so it, it's uh, huge to have him back. Uh, it's so important, and the relationship uh, it's also very good with him. So we, we understand each other. We talk a lot before the games, uh, and I think it's it's great as, again to have him back. So you touched on it a little bit, but I'm curious for you: How does your job change when you're playing next to Elie compared to when you're playing next to Isi? No, I, I won't say that my job changed. Uh, uh, I think we, we, we try to play always the same. As I said, we have a very specific way of play. Uh, obviously, we, we check and we see how the other teams play against us, but we try to do, uh, we try to be us, and we try to do almost always the, the same. We try to be better with them to them than them, I mean, with the ball. Uh, well, you you know uh, our style of play, no. So mm-hmm. I I won't say that my uh, my game changed because I play with with one or or other. Maybe I I don't know with the ball. Uh, I would give some some balls maybe to Ilya because I know him. Also happens when he plays as number six. Uh, sometimes I play some balls to him because uh, again we have a relationship from a long time and I know. Uh, what kind of balls he likes that maybe to somebody else I, I wouldn't that that ball but 
I would say it's the same. We have uh, trained a lot. Uh, this is a work that is started uh, in the preseason. We work a lot in the defensive shape, in the uh, stepping up the line, and, and we are all in the same page. So obviously the, the characteristics of players change a little bit when when you change uh, the name of the player that you play with. But uh, I would say it's almost the same. Okay, Fanti, I've got two for you. A fun one first. What were you for Halloween? Uh, me and my wife were uh, dressed up the same. Uh, I had a, <laughs> a fake hair, like a blonde hair. Uh, I was like a woman, and I had like a, uh, a sign saying uh, like reality or no filter, and she was having a one saying Instagram. Ah, and, like Instagram and reality. You know what I mean? We're yeah. The same, but I was the, the, the no part. The, the reality, and she was the fielder part in the Instagram. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it was, was good. It, it was a good one. <laughs> that's clever. I, I love a good clever costume. Um, that, that's awesome. Okay, one more question as it relates to Elie and, and this defense. I know it hasn't been a lot of games that Elie has been playing back at the six, but looking at that Seattle game for an example, when Elie goes from playing center back and you guys have that relationship, and then when he moves up, and, play, and is playing in front of you at the six, do you feel like there's better chemistry now almost between you two that he has? He knows what's going on behind him. It's so much better having played back there that now there's almost this just... Uh, I think I think yes. I think yes. That's a, that's a good question, and maybe we should ask him. I, I never said to him, but I feel that he for sure knows more the, the position of centre-back more now than ever because he played a lot of games. Uh, uh, so, so for sure, he he knows uh, what we are dealing with, me me and Easy at that time, and for sure, I would say defensively, uh, it can help us uh, big time, big time. Uh, he knows much more what we are dealing with, and and then offensively, uh, it's just uh, re uh, refreshing, you know, because as I said, we played uh, a lot of times together, and and we know each other super good. So he knows that I, I uh, what I was saying before, now I give balls. Uh, to him that I would maybe don't give it to to anybody else, and 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 yes, for sure. After uh, being uh, center back together, uh, now we have even even more more chemistry when when he's at, at the six. Okay, we're gonna wrap this up, uh, Fonti, and and I think in part because uh, I'll tell everybody we're we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon, and and Barcelona is about to kick off in the Champions League. So, I, do you sit down and watch all the Barcelona games, Fonti, like like Elie does? I try to. I try to. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. We're struggling a little bit now, but uh, it's time to support and uh, yeah, visit them now that it's not you know as great as we we used to be. But yes, I, I like. I like to to watch uh, football and and always that uh, I'm uh, at home or even traveling. I try to to watch the games. The uh, the the Twitter account of FC Barcelona tweeted out their goal of the day a couple of days ago, and it was <laughs> yeah. you. That yes. how what? Tell me what that was like seeing that pop up on Twitter. Uh, so I I opened my my Twitter account that I don't use at all because I'm <laughs> using. Uh, Twitter so very uh, few occasions, but I open it and and uh, Twitter said you have more uh, <laughs> more more notifications than usual. Do you want to put any filters or something? Said, what what happened? What is happening? I said no. Okay. And then I saw that the, the, obviously a lot of people put uh, like and comments and and all this stuff, and it was just. No, good memories. The goal is not the best goal ever, to be honest. But uh, I mean, it, it was good. It was fun. What was the best goal you've ever scored? Uh, I scored one very nice uh, play with Celta de Vigo uh, against Ajax, and it was Europa League. Uh, it was a little bit lucky, but it was almost with my heel after a free kick, and it went like up. Almost I chipped the the goalkeeper. It was a uh, Pretty impressive. <laughs> a back heel chip of the goalkeeper. Now I got to go look that one I up. Know. That's yes, a... <laughs> go, go find it. Go find it. A lot of people said it was luck. I mean, I tried to to kick the ball. Then uh, I, I put maybe to in a very good spot that uh, maybe I would say a little bit of love I had, but but uh, that is there. You know, it's there, and, and that, that's that, that's the goal. So hey, Fonty, luck is the intersection of preparation and opportunity. Oh. 
I love it. You know, so it, yeah. you had to be in the right place and you had to be prepared for it. So uh, people That's say so it's cool. lucky. They just never scored a goal like that. Fonte, we're lucky <laughs> to have you. We, we really enjoy your, our, our chance to talk with you. Uh, best of luck on Wednesday night in Austin, and then we will see you on Sunday at Children's Mercy Park as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. That is Andre Ufantas. Uh, we're lucky to have him, and we'll say it that way, uh, here in Kansas City. We'll take a break, come back, and uh, preview these two last games of the regular season right after this on the Sporting Kansas City Show. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer Sports Radio 810 WHB, presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Also on the podcast, we, we love the podcast when, uh, whenever you get a chance to, uh, to listen to that, download, subscribe, and like. Jacob Peterson and Ali Trost with me. We just got done talking with Andre Ufantas. And guys, how likable is Andre Ufantas, by the way, every time you have a chance to have a conversation with him? It, always smiling. I, I saw him out of training today and just the, one of the happiest people that, that you come across. Just always has a big smile on his face, just always radiating joy it feels like he's just he's one of a kind and you know I I was telling you guys during the break it's just when you look back on the journey he's had through injury with sporting it's amazing uh to see where he's at now and I mean sporting Kansas City fan base the team is just better off for for him getting himself here I mean it wasn't an easy process and Nate we talked to him last year about trying to rehab through COVID your entire team's down in Orlando you're you're away from everybody it's hard enough rehabbing back from injury like you were talking about Jacob now Put being isolated uh, mm-hmm. on top of that, and just the the mental toughness that it takes, and yeah, it's, it's just incredible. He's he's awesome. So Jacob, we talked something uh, with with uh, Fonty that that made me think of something. A little while ago, you were talking about Jordan Morris, and what is he really going to be able to offer Seattle here? He's just come back from a, a, a year long you know absence after tearing his ACL, um, and I think that's all a very fair question. But while we talk about all these players from Seattle, for example, that seem to be coming back right in time for the postseason, what kind do, do, is is Nicholas Isimat Marin one of the more underrated or under the radar additions late in the season for any team out there, especially for the fact that he's actually had the chance to get full run out in a handful of games before we get to the postseason? Yeah, and actually, that's that's a good question there as far as I think from what we've seen of EC so far this season when he's played 90 minutes and been fit I would think he should be if he was healthy all season long I think he'd be talked about nationally as far as you know one of the newcomers of the year now I don't know if he would have won that off of uh, Chicho over at LAFC because he's you know, scored a lot of goals here late, but he came in kind of midseason. And EC, I think if he was healthy the whole way, I think he would be right up in there. But as you said, because he hasn't been and only played, you know, a few games here and then, you know, got re-injured, and now he seems like he's back and getting fit, um, it is a massive boost. And there's no doubt, I think Fonte said it too, I think defensively they're better with EC in there and Ilya sitting as a number six. Um, and another thing, too, I mean, Fonte mentioned it, EC's feet are really good. And maybe not to the, the level of Fonte or, or Ilya, but you could drop Ilya back there and play, build out of the back with three and maybe push up Graham a little bit higher on the right wing. Usually Graham is one of those three that build out of the back, uh, and Johnny Russell gives the width over on the right. But there are some tactical adjustments that you can have um, when you have EC in there and Ilya at the six. Um, but I think EC is a, especially late here, if he's fit and, and flying, I think he is a massive boost just dealing with even if anything, those transition moments, because we see that so often in how sporting play. Um, and as good as Fonte and Ilya are, I don't think any of them are winning a 100-meter dash uh, race anytime <laughs> soon. You know, they're not, they're not too bad, but... You know, EC definitely adds that element of speed, which helps. And then aerial balls and crosses. And that's a kind of an area of weakness that we've seen with sporting is when teams get it out wide and whip balls in, can they mark, can they latch on to guys, can they defend those? And I think EC has been excellent in, in those moments. And a bicycle out of the box. I mean, he can really just do it all. But, no, Kerry Zavagan told me, like, he is essential for them 
if they want to make a strong postseason run. And I, I think another benefit to all of this, too, is with Elie getting that experience at center back, and Fontes kind of talked about this, too, like that then – and I'm excited to talk to Elie about this and just how much it's helped him then moving up to the six because you know exactly what's going on right behind you because you just played so much of the season back there. And Elie already has such a great soccer IQ, but just the options that you get when, you know, playing three, moving the ball out of the back and just the, the skill sets that each of them bring. I mean, EC really is such a strong piece of that puzzle, especially in the playoffs when you're going to be going in a lot of different situations that are going to call for his ability and whether it's in the air whether it's chasing someone down I mean he just Zavagnin also said just makes everyone defensively around him so much better okay so today and again we're recording this on a Tuesday Peter Vermees spoke to the media today and was asked for an update on Polito and he said not available for Wednesday night's game could possibly be available for Sunday I think one thing we can all keep in mind is that there's two weeks then between that last game on the Sunday and, and going into the playoffs. So um, if it's if it's possible on Sunday, I'm thinking, you know, we'll see what, what Peter does there. But it does sound like they feel really good about his chances to be back in the playoffs. But what can you expect from Alan Polito? If this, you know, if he's working his way back and, and doesn't have a chance to get any minutes in during the regular season, what can we expect from him in the postseason? I think similarly to... Maybe more of a Nico Ladero as we talked about Seattle. Because um, Pol- Holland Polito's been around. He's been in it. Yes, I think the, the later half of the season has, hasn't had uh, as many games played. And obviously coming off of this, it wasn't a, a massive procedure, but it's still a surgery and there's still rehab time and you have to get confidence back uh, in that knee. But I, I think the, the type of player that he is and the – the street smarts as Peter always says it and how he can pick and choose his times maybe to, to rest and recover um, throughout the game. Um, but there's going to be some fitness issues. There's no doubt. He's not going to go back in and, and start and be able to go 90 minutes to the same level that he was earlier in the year, but he is so talented. He's so supremely talented in, in how he plays the game. And it's not just scoring goals as we talked about, coming off the, the back line, interchanging with, with players. And as good as whether it was Gotti up in the false nine or Kyrie playing up there, um, both guys can, can fill that role and do a good job. But just as sporting are better with EC back in center back position, sporting are better when Alan Polito's playing that number nine. And I think, again, if, if he can come back and show even half of his uh, ability, I, I think sporting are, are suited for a – a good postseason run. Well, and especially too, if they can keep up this level of offensive production that they've gotten with Johnny Russell, with Daniel Shallowy before he was injured, but good to see him get some minutes back against Minnesota in that game. I mean, when you've got other guys scoring, they don't necessarily need Polito to come out and play a full 90 minutes plus. They just, they're better with him, but they're still able to get it done. It's not like they're just, they're not scoring goals. They're just, you know, counting down the, the minutes until they're able to get Polito back on the field. Well, that has been one of the storylines of the season to me is the way that the three-headed monster of Shallowy, Polito, and Russell have all seemed to step up when needed. You know, Polito has had stretches this year where his production's been fantastic. He's got six goals and five assists in 11 starts. Yeah. So that means, you know, that's 11 goals created in 11 starts. Shallowy obviously has had his incredible stretch that had him in an MVP race, and then he goes down with an injury, and Johnny Russell picks up, and boom, boom. Remember, Johnny Hold started beer, the season like cold. He couldn't score early in the year, and now yeah. he can't stop scoring. And it's um, – God, imagine if we can see all three of those yeah. guys, though. And, that I mean, that's not to say, like, you don't want to have Polito going for a full 90 all the postseason because obviously that's your preferred front three. But, I mean, just getting to see more of those three up top in, in the form that they've each been in at different points this year would be that's dangerous, t- scary. Terrifying. So. <laughs> For opposing defense, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying because you, you. Who can't, do you focus on? Exactly, like, <laughs> you have to leave one of those guys one on one. And I think if you're sporting, you're thinking, I'm taking my chances on any one of those guys yeah. being left one on one and knowing that they can skin their defender more times than not. And I don't think you have that really on any other team across the league. It, it's it's a very formidable formidable front three from sporting. And, and I don't want to leave Kyrie Shelton out of the mix on this. I'm glad to see him get a goal against Minnesota like he did. 
um, because it seems like he, too, in his own way, has stepped in every time, I mean, wherever needed, and at, up top, out on the wing, and, and put in a shift that allows the team to have a chance. And I think he's going to have a, he's going to have something to say about this playoff run as and, well. And unfortunately, the stat sheet doesn't do Kyrie a lot of favors because he's been massive for Sporting and Weather. It's like drawing a penalty, drawing a crucial set piece, just th- literally putting his body on the line to make things happen for Sporting KC. And I mean, maybe at some point they'll they'll track some of those things. But I mean, he's he's definitely stepped up and had some big moments. And yeah, good to see him get that goal. Well, I think the the best way to tell, and we mention all the time, is his record when, when he plays yeah. for sporting since he's been here, even when he went over to Germany and came back. And there's a reason why he keeps finding the field and, mm-hmm. and keeps playing. And Peter Vermees trusts him and his teammates trust him. And, and that to me, I, I think I can speak. I think Kyrie's me wrong, a much better player than I was, but as a player, I can appreciate being all right. Maybe you're not the, the first choice guy in, in you know, a few different positions, but you know, the coaches know, your teammates know that if there's an opening anywhere across that front line, Kyrie Shelton's the guy and everybody trusts him and knows exactly what you're going to get out of him. And yeah, if he can score 15 goals in a season, great. But if not, you know that you're still getting valuable minutes. And that is why every single player in that, that locker room loves Kyrie mm-hmm. and they do. And it's not just for the media. And they're saying that they, they, know what he brings to the table, and they respect him. And that's why you need players like that on your team if you're going to go and challenge for titles in this league. I feel like this group, too, just across the board has has a really good thing going on as far as chemistry is concerned. I mean, this is just sometimes there there's maybe an outlier that, that makes it hard, a, a divisive personality. I just feel like every single player on this team has, like, a very shared vision and, like, their personalities – really mesh well together okay let's talk about this game on wednesday night eight o'clock sporting kansas city at austin fc ali will be lucky enough to be in that stadium which looks like maybe the the new best atmosphere (laughs) in the league i'll be interested to see what it's like in this situation when the team is playing out the string and in last place but also you could look at it and say well uh, they're they're maybe they'll be there to go nuts for their last time of this uh, inaugural campaign but one of the things we touched on, Jacob, they like to play possession-based soccer. Um, they have they have struggled this year, though. It, for a long time, it was scoring goals. Their defense has had problems as well. When it comes to this game, is there anything in particular that you worry about, or that that you know that Sporting have to be wary of? And I guess what are you looking for Sporting to accomplish in this game? Well, yeah, the the first thing that I, I'm looking at, and I thought this the same time that when Austin came here to, to Kansas city to play is who's going to dominate the ball. Who's going to have possession because both these teams want the ball where, you know, Seattle when sporting play Seattle, Seattle doesn't really rely on having the majority of possession and, and keeping the ball. And Minnesota doesn't either. Um, but in that game up there, Minnesota bossed the, the possession and had it, especially at home. It's so much easier to do that. And you know that Austin are going to play everything short uh, out of the back. They're going to build it. And they, for as bad as, as their record is and, and as few points, they play really good soccer. And I know that I've said that kind of all along, but when you watch them play under Josh Wolf and they have an identity and they, they haven't quite figured it out, you know, from top to bottom. And, and obviously they're, they're sitting at the table for a reason, but they play good soccer in, in possession. And it's going to be tough because we're talking about sporting. Are they recovered? Are, how are their bodies holding up? And is it a game where you say, hey, I'm gonna, we're going to press high and try to pick them off when they're trying to build out and maybe get a, an easy opportunity that way? Or is Peter and the guys going to say, hey, let's drop back, get into a shell, let Austin play out, conserve our, our legs a little bit here because we have two tough games, and, and let Austin kind of knock it around because I think in those moments, Austin hasn't really proven that they can break teams down consistently and, and create a bunch of opportunities. But on the flip side, too, when Sporting do get the ball, they have to do a much better job than they did up in Minnesota of keeping the ball and passing it and recognizing when are those moments to go quick and try to get at the Austin back line, and when is it, all right, it's not really on here, let's pull the ball back, let's maintain possession, let's make the other team run a little bit, 
So that possession battle, I think, is going to be number one for me to look at and how sporting go about. Are they pressing high? Are they dropping back? Is it a hybrid? I think that's kind of the 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 chess game within the soccer game that, that I'm really looking forward to. And, and I know we're focusing more on sporting with this game just because, I mean, at this point, there's so much on the line for them. Austin out of the playoff picture. But, I mean, just to talk about Austin a little bit, like what do you think it was that kept them this year from it? And, I mean, crazy, too, to look at the Western Conference, the bottom of the standings, all three Texas teams, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, sitting at, at the bottom of the West. But, but what do you think it was for Austin that, you know, kept them from finding more of that success this year? Well, they didn't have a true goal scorer yeah. for the majority of the season, right? Mm-hmm. And I know they have some guys that come late that helps, and it looks like maybe they're they're putting together more of a an attacking unit. Um, but there's not really a guy. Th- I mean, we were just talking about sporting. There's not a Polito, a Johnny Russell, or a Daniel Shallowy on this mm-hmm. team who can say, "Big time moment here! I'm going to make a difference for my team. I'm going to step up." There's a lot of quality in there in their team as far as they can knock the ball around and they're good, skillful players, but they don't really have that one guy that has said, Hey, we're, we're under it right now. I'm going to go score a goal like Johnny Russell did up in Seattle or or something like that. I think that's kind of been their biggest point. And then when you can't score goals, of course you're going to be under pressure. And then there's that pressure builds throughout the team, knowing that, we have to keep a clean sheet. And if you don't, you're probably not going to get anything out of it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of been the problem with Austin, yeah. in, in my opinion. There are two leading goal scorers, Diego Fagundes and Cecilio Dominguez, both on seven goals on the season. You compare that to where Sporting are with, with their top guys, and that tells you something right there. One guy to keep an eye on is Sebastian Driussi. Mm-hmm. They picked him up in the middle of the summer. He was supposed to solve a lot of those problems by unlocking defenses from the number 10 spot. He's played 15 games. He's got four goals and five assists, so it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. But he's obviously a player with a lot of pedigree. They paid a lot of money for him, so keep an eye on him uh, tomorrow night. So I'll run down the schedule again for you before we sign off. Sporting Kansas City at Austin FC, 5 o'clock Wednesday night. You can hear the game on our sister station, 94.5 FM. Watch it on Valley Sports Kansas City. Then Sunday, first of all, be there Sunday. Be there, 66 degrees and sunny. Not a cloud in the sky is the forecast. A perfect day to play, a perfect day to watch what's going to be a really, really exciting day because most likely everything's going to be on the line. And we're going to be watching scores from around the league and all that. That game is at 5 o'clock, and you can listen to it again on our sister station, 94.5 FM. And you can watch it on Bally Sports Kansas City. And I just got word today, look on the Sports Radio 810 social media pages. In the next couple of days, on Thursday, we'll have a ticket giveaway going. So uh, if you want to be there and you don't want to have to pay for your tickets, you could win them uh, by just getting involved with that. Like the post, share it um, to to enter for a chance to win some tickets to the game. It's going to be like... Go buy your tickets anyway and then win some. And then you can sell those other tickets to your friends. (laughs) Do something like that. Go Whatever get, you want to do. Yeah, get your tickets. Sporting I'm not going to tell you what to do with them, but just get to the game. <laughs> SportingKC.com is the website. All right, that's going to do it for us. Our thanks to Andre Ufantas for joining us, and thanks to you for listening. This has been the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra.